please stand. I'm here to meet with you. So come and meet with me. I'm here to find you. Reveal yourself to me as I wait. You make me strong as I long. Draw me to your arms as I stand. Sing your praise, you come, you come and fill this place. I'm here to meet with you, so come and meet with me. And I'm here to find. I know. Things up a little bit today. Yeah, I know. Be patient. Be patient. Uh, so good morning. I want to welcome you to Northside Baptist Church. We're so glad that you are here. As we gather each and every week, we want to worship King Jesus. Amen. But we also gather because we're family. And so we want you to be connected. We want you to be connected. So if this is your first time with us or maybe your second time, again, we're glad that you're here. One way to get you connected is inside the bulletin is some information for you to fill out. 
You can put that in the offering plate, give it to one of the staff on your way out. Uh, again, we want you to be connected. So there's some information. Hey, I want to know more about a relationship with Christ, how to become a member of Northside. Uh, you can let us know more about you. Uh, one way for you to get connected, those of you who maybe have little ones and you want a date night, pay attention to the bulletin. There's a date night that's coming up. It's an awesome way for you uh, and, and your spouse to get together, spend some time together, and your kids will be loved on. They'll be well taken care of. So check those things out. So um, give me a minute and let me kind of explain to you a little change that we're going to make. So about a month and a half ago, Mr. Curtis and I sat down and I said, Curtis, um, I like to stand when I sing. I said, and I understand why we sit down at that one song, the hymn we sing, because it's a long time to stand up. And the next week we started standing. And I was like, all right, well, we're just going to start standing. So we'll do that. So we're going to change a few things up here just a little bit. One, to kind of give you a chance to sit back down, to rest your legs before you have to stand back up and sing three songs. But there's another thing we're going to introduce. Um, each and every Sunday, there's four things that I want to see take place when we gather to worship. I want us to sing the scriptures, which we do each and every week as we sing praises to God. I want us to read the scriptures. I want the scripture before us as we read it. Um, and I also want to preach the scriptures. But there's one more element that I used to do at our, my other church that I want to start incorporating here. And that is I want to pray the scriptures. So at this point, every Sunday, after we shake hands and I welcome everybody, we're going to go into a time of about a minute and a half where a scripture is going to appear on the screen. And so uh, if you want to go ahead and put that up there, Alex, a scripture, maybe it's already up there. Um, a scripture will appear on the screen, um, and we're going to pray through that. And I'm going to give you some examples as to how you can do that. But the verse before this says, I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday, so we're going to talk about that. I'm going to preach on that. The children, children's sermon is going to be geared toward that. And so each and every week, a verse will appear on the screen, and you're going to have a minute to two minutes where you are just to pray, to meditate, if you haven't had a chance to prepare your hearts yet, this will be an opportunity for you to do that. So maybe you're like, well, how do I pray through the scripture? What does that look like? Well, maybe for this next minute, minute and a half, you can say, God, thank you for creating me. And you can just in your heart worship for a minute, thanking God for all that he's done in your life. Or maybe, maybe you would say, you know what, God, I was created for your glory, but I've kind of got away from that. I've started living for myself. So maybe you'll use the next minute and a half just to say, God, forgive me. I'm not living for your glory. Forgive me of that. Or maybe you know somebody who has walked away from the Lord, somebody you've been praying about. And so maybe this morning for the next minute and a half, you could use this time to pray for them, to intercede for them. It's just a time for you to close your eyes if you want, to prepare your heart as we'll continue to worship. So you're going to do that for about a minute and a half, and then we're going to go right into the next set of praise songs. So right where you are, spend some time in prayer with the Lord.
shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Yes, all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry and these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. It's your
We thank you for making us in your perfect will, for making us just the way you want us to be, dear God, for forming us before before we were known, you, uh, you knit us together, dear God, we thank you for that. We just pray that our lives will, uh, in turn, uh, just praise you and worship you uh, every day in, in, in everything that we do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Since I have been redeemed, let's sing it together now. I have been redeemed of my Redeemer, Savior, King, since I have been redeemed, since I have been redeemed, since I have been redeemed, I will glory in his name, since I have been redeemed, I will glory in my Savior's Since I have been redeemed To do His will my highest prize Since I have been redeemed Since I have been redeemed I'm going <coughs> been redeemed I will glory in my Savior's
Amen. Amen. All right, where's all my kids at? Come on, come on, don't be shy. I know you're like, what's this guy doing up here right now? Come on, come on, come on. Gather around. Gather around. I don't have a shoe. There's something in there, silly. You know that. You know what it is. How's everybody doing today? Everybody good? Good. Good. What's up, man? Can I have a high five? Please don't look close. All right. So today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. That word sanctity is a big word, huh? Here's what that means. It means that everybody is important, that everybody is precious, that life matters. And so the Bible teaches us that God made each and every one of you. Did you know that? Did you know God made you? Did you know that, Ben? Did you know God made you? Yeah. <laughs> I think he did a pretty awesome job when he made you, right? He made you. The Bible also says that God knows you. He knows you and he knows your name. Let me ask you a question. Does anybody know my name? Don't you say my name. Don't answer. You can't speak. Anybody know my name? What's my name? Pastor Aaron. Pastor Aaron. Does anybody know my first name? Nope. See, God knows. God knows my first name. It's Matthew. Aaron's my middle name. No? Well, hey, you have to take that up with my parents because that's what they told me. Matthew Aaron, right? So, so, right, God made you, right? He knows you and he loves you. He loves you, but there's something else I want to mention to you that I think is really cool. So I've got something in this shoe box, all right? And I'm going to show you, but when I show you, you can't say a word. You just have to look at it. Can you promise me that you're not going to say a word? You're just going to look at it. Because after I show you, I'm going to show the choir, and I'm going to show all your parents, and then I'm going to ask you a question. So everybody got me? Don't say a word. This is something that was made by Malachi's grandma. Her name is Bonnie, and they call her Nani. So she's Nani Bonnie. She made this. Don't say a word, right? Just look at it. Don't say a word. Just look at it. Just look at it. All right? Don't say a word. Don't say a word. All right? Everybody see that? Everybody see that? So here's the question. Who does that look like? Malachi, right? See, he's got the dark skin like Malachi. He's got the hair like Malachi. And look, he's even got the blue glasses. He made this for, she made this for Malachi, and we call this mini-me. So it's like mini, mini Malachi. Now let me ask you, is this Malachi? This isn't Malachi, is it? He doesn't talk, but it looks like Malachi, right? No. No, it doesn't look like Malachi? So, so listen to what the Bible says in Genesis 1. No. It says, we're going to have like a little art. Yes, no, no, okay. So the Bible says that you're made in God's image. That means that you are made to represent God. That means as you live your life, you can point people to God. So if you looked at this, does this look like me? No, but it looks like Malachi, right? So when you live your life, when you're at home with your parents, when you go to school or when you come to Sunday school or when you get ready to go to children's church, Everywhere you go, you can tell other people, hey, God made me, and God loves me, and no. he loves, yes. No. Well, a lot of people don't think that, but it's true, I promise. Right, God made you. All right, so who made you? No. God. God. Does no. God love you? Say yes. No. No. Who told you to do that? <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, let's pray, and you guys are going to go to Children's Church. God, I thank you so much for each of these boys and girls up here. God, it says that you know their name, you know the number of hair on their heads. And God, you did an awesome job of making them. Each of, each of them is unique and different, and they are special and they are awesome. And God, our prayer for them is that they would just know more about you, Jesus, the one who made them, but also that they would live for you the rest of their life and want to tell all their friends, no matter how little they are, they can always say to somebody, hey, God loves you, and he made you. And, Lord, that's what our world needs to be reminded of over and over again. Help them to have a lot of fun, to learn a lot of things here in Children's Church. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand again.
Take your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 1. We're just going to read one verse, but this verse is going to kind of catapult us into our studies this morning. Starting next week, we're going to begin an in-depth study through the book of 1 John. So we'll be working our way through that book, spending several months there. But today is, at least in Southern Baptist life, Sanctity of Life Sunday. It's a day we set aside to just remember that God is our creator and to focus on the value of that. And so Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. You may be seated. Church, you and I have been given a mission. We're to live on mission. We are to be a gospel people in the midst of a lost world. So being a gospel people means that we preach the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ in our homes, in our families, in our neighborhoods, and in our culture. And our task is to take that good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to preach hope and freedom in the midst of a culture filled with sexual immorality, racism, trafficking, an opioid epidemic. We are to preach life in a culture of death. So this morning with today being Sanctity of Life Sunday, I want us to spend a few minutes thinking about how do we as a church live and advocate for life in the midst of a culture of death. Now, I get it. Talking about things like this, especially the issue of of pro-life and therefore being anti-abortion is controversial. It's divisive. And tragically, it has even become a political, often politicized issue. And so I'm not preaching on it this morning because I want to be controversial or because I want to get into the political side of it. I'm not even going to do that at all. I'm not going to wade into giving you statistics this morning, though I think it's important to know those things. Here's why I, as your pastor, am preaching on this today. Because I believe being pro-life is a theological issue. It's a theological issue. And because of that, we must speak up and engage our culture of death with the hope and life of the gospel. So I want us to think about three things. All three of these are going to kind of just be pulled from this one verse um, here in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. So number one, you and I must be a people who think biblically. We have to be a people who think biblically, right? If we're going to be a people who think biblically, then we have to be a people who hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if I were to ask you, where does the gospel start? Some of you may say, well, it starts with Jesus dying for our sins. But I would argue the gospel doesn't start there. The gospel actually starts all the way at the beginning. And so when we think about being a people who live right, who think biblically, we think biblically, we have to understand the gospel begins, the first point here, is with God's design. God's design. Look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I, this is God, verse 4 says, the word of the Lord came to me before I the Lord formed you, Jeremiah, in the womb. God formed Jeremiah in the womb. That word to form means to fashion, to shape, to create, even has the idea of planning. So who planned Jeremiah's life? Who formed Jeremiah? It was the Lord. God is the giver of life. There's going to be several scriptures that are just going to show up here on the screen, the references. Uh, write these down. Meditate upon these verses this week. Job in Job 33, 4 says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The psalmist says in Psalm 103, It is He who made us, and we are His. Isaiah says, Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb. Isaiah 44, 2. The verse we prayed through earlier, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory whom I formed and made, Isaiah 43, 7. We know Psalm 139, for you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In addition to these verses, we just have to go back to Genesis chapter 1. 
that you and I are made, it says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So not only has God made us, but he made us in his image. That means you and I were created to represent God. We reflect God. No, we are not God, but through the way he has made us, we can represent and point people to God, made to glorify God. So church, if this is true, if we believe that God is the author of life, therefore all life is valuable, then what is the implication for us as it relates to life itself? This is the implication. Every person has intrinsic value. Everyone. Do not get caught up in the world's understanding that a person has value based upon their usefulness. An unborn child in the mother's womb to that mother may seem as though, hey, you're not useful to me. You won't help me. And so we can abort that child. There are those who think that those who are in nursing homes who can't take care of themselves anymore, you don't, you're not useful any longer to society. In fact, we're having to take care of you, therefore you don't have value any longer. Listen, your value is in the fact that you were made by God in His image for His glory. Amen? That means you have significance. That means every one of you has worth. So if God's creator and we're made in his image, and we're made to know him and worship him, what in the world went wrong? What went wrong with God's creation? And the answer as to what went wrong is sin. Sin is what leads to a culture of death, and sin leads to our brokenness. See, sin does not destroy the image of God, but it does distort the image of God. So instead of choosing what's right, we run to choose what is wrong. Instead of loving God, we instead love self. It's because of sin. God is the giver of life. You and I have become destroyers of life. And this is why we are surrounded everywhere you look by a culture of death. Because this is what sin does. For the wages of sin is death. Sin leads to death, and it also leads to brokenness. Every one of us walked into this place this morning in some way broken. We're broken. Sin leads to physical brokenness. Anybody having some pain this morning? Something, your back's not feeling right or your knee's hurting, right? That's a result of sin. We experience physical pain, physical sorrow. We will die. In addition to that, there is psychological brokenness. Maybe you walked in here feeling guilt and shame, remorse over something you've done in your life, psychological brokenness. We have social brokenness, right? Relationships become dysfunctional. Relationships become severed. People don't get along. And then mostly, chiefly, we have spiritual brokenness. There's a bondage to sin. There's condemnation that comes because we are sinners having transgressed against a holy God. So here's the reality. Every person you come in contact with is made in the image of God. They have worth and value, but that person, because of sin, is also broken. There is no one you will come in contact with who has their life all figured out, who has everything together. It's just perfect. Because of sin, they're broken. You have to understand we're dealing with broken people. But the good news of the gospel is there's a remedy for your brokenness and mine. And so that's the third thing I want you to notice here, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, every person is loved. Every person can be redeemed. Every person can be restored. Why? Because God saves sinners. Right? We think about the incarnation, the Son of God coming into the world as a man. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, fully God, taking on flesh and entering into our brokenness. He stepped into that. We think of his substitution. We think of Jesus Christ dying on the cross in our place. Jesus Christ being rejected. Jesus Christ being condemned to death. Jesus, who knew no sin, took yours and mine upon him and bore the wrath of God for sin so that we could be made right with God. And then we think of restoration. We think about how God forgives us, how God renews us, how God is restoring us and restoring his creation. Hear me. 
Some of you need to hear this. God's mercy is available to everyone. His mercy is available to you. Now, His mercy does not excuse sin, but it does atone for your sin and mine. So when we come to things like this, when we talk about abortion, understand I am pro-life. And I will, I will not hesitate to declare that. But at the same time, I recognize that there are people, maybe even in our midst, but people you know, who at some point in their life did not choose to give life, but instead chose the opposite. And they sit with on their conscience this idea of they are guilty of abortion. And if that is you, if you, in your past, made that decision, hear me, God's mercy is available to you. If that's you and you hear nothing else, I want you to hear me say there is forgiveness for you. There's forgiveness for your daughter. There's forgiveness for your son who may be encouraged. If, if you've walked through that personally, there is forgiveness for you. There is no sin that we could ever commit that is beyond the grace and mercy of God doesn't excuse it it doesn't mean it's okay but if you've done it there is forgiveness for you and it comes through Jesus Christ and Jesus stands ready to forgive you and to cleanse you so we must be a people who think biblically it starts here with our understanding and our knowledge of the Word of God and if we're to be thinking biblically that means we must be a people who value all life sometimes us as Christians we're guilty of, of speaking up for the the life in the womb but once that child is born, sometimes we fail to really stand up for life. Listen, to be pro-life means we value life from the womb to the tomb and everyone in between. We're going to value people. They're valuable. They're worthy of our advocacy. So it starts with, are you thinking biblically? Are you thinking biblically? But then secondly, I want you to notice, we must be a people who love unconditionally. We must be a people who love unconditionally. Go back to Jeremiah 1, verse 5. This, this amazes me. Before I, the Lord, formed you in the womb, I knew you. That's what the ESV translation says. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God not only created Jeremiah, but he knew him. When did he know him? Before he created him. It wasn't, oh, here's Jeremiah, he's been born, oh, now I know him. No, he knew Jeremiah before he even created him. That word, knew, can also be translated chose. So the CSB translation says, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. Think about that. God is saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I chose you before I even created Jeremiah here is, is being chosen by God, not based upon Jeremiah's goodness. He hadn't even been born yet. He's not choosing Jeremiah based upon his righteousness or his abilities or the fact that God knows he'll one day be a prophet. No, God chose Jeremiah based upon the love of God. And church, he chose me based upon his love. And he chose you based upon his love. Before you were formed, God knew you, God loved you, and he created you. So what does that mean? Well, if God loves us and if God knew us, then that means you and I are to respond in two ways. We are to love him, love God with all your heart, and we are to love others. And in response to what God has done, how he has created us and saved us, right? We are to love God and we are to love others unconditionally. Why? Because of God's unconditional love for us. And when I talk about loving people unconditionally, let me clarify as to what exactly I mean here. What I mean by that is our love for others is not based on who they are, what they've done, what they look like, how cool they are, how they might smell, how they might dress. Our loving them has nothing to do with that, how they're living their life. Our love for them is simply because God loves us and now we want to love them. So we must be a people who love all people everywhere with the love of Jesus Christ. 
Church, that has great implications for us as a church. And this is where you and I begin to take our knowledge, what we say we believe, and we begin to live it out. We begin to put it to feet and hands by loving other people. We say, yes, we believe that life is important. We believe in the sanctity of life. Well, if we believe that, then we are to be a people who love and advocate for the unborn. We must be a people who love and advocate for the aged, for the disabled, for the persecuted, for the immigrant, for the orphan, for the widowed, for those who are addicted, those who are in prison, the poor. And we must be a people who stand up and speak for racial reconciliation. Church, it is absolutely, hear me, impossible to worship and glorify the majesty of God while seeking to destroy God's supreme creation. You cannot glorify the majesty of God and try to destroy his creation. John Piper says it perfectly, and he pulls no punches when he writes, you cannot starve the aged human and glorify the majesty of God. You cannot dismember the unborn human and glorify the majesty of God. He says, you cannot gas the Jewish human and glorify the majesty of God. You cannot lynch the black human and glorify the majesty of God. You cannot treat human pregnancy like a disease and glorify the majesty of God. If we are going to be a people who glorify the majesty of God, then we must be a people who are willing to love all people. What do people need? People need to be loved. That's what they need. People need someone. Hey, will you listen to me? Will you cry with me? Will you advocate for me? Will you stand with me? But most of all, what they need is someone who will step into their life and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Sometimes what we do is we're really good at loving, 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 but we never tell them about Jesus Christ. We'll show up, we'll take them meals, we'll be there for our neighbors, but we never open our mouth and say, hey, let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you about what Jesus Christ can do for you. Other times, some of us, we're really good at giving them the truth, but we just don't ever love them. Like, we're always shoving that truth down their throat. Have you believed yet? Have you, why are you not convinced, right? But when we do it, it comes across as though we're being condescending, judgmental. We have this proud spirit. Oh, they've heard about Jesus, but not in a very loving way from us. Jesus said we're to speak the truth in what? Love. Speak the truth in love. People need to be loved. Yes and amen. But people also need the truth. And I would argue it is not loving to embrace whatever they're doing and never share the truth of Jesus Christ with them. Just say, it's okay, not a big deal, live how you want. That's not loving to then never tell them about Jesus Christ. I would also say it's not very loving to always tell them about Jesus, but you're never willing to show up when they need somebody to listen to. You're never willing to step into their life and say, hey, I'm here for you. I know I've told you about Jesus, but I want you to know I'm also available to listen to you. People need to be loved, but they also need the truth. Why do they need the truth? Because of Satan. Satan is deceiving and destroying right now. Church, we have to understand this is a spiritual battle that we're fighting. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, your adversary, the enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour satan our enemy is the best deceiver there is he knows how to deceive satan right he knows how to lie he's the great liar he's the great accuser the one that destroys this is what satan does and he's good at his job there are people that you know maybe you're even one of them the man he is he's seeking to destroy you he is deceiving you he is accusing you so what does that look like when it comes to this issue of being pro-life? What does this look like when it comes to this issue, let's consider, of abortion? I read a, a statement a couple years ago that man just hit me. This is what it said. No one is more pro-choice on the way into the abortion clinic than Satan. He's a deceiver. 
No one is championing abortion more than Satan because it's destroying that which is made in the image of God. And he loves to destroy that which is made in the image of God. But the quote goes on to say this. No one is more pro-life on the way out of the abortion clinic than Satan. Satan will deceive women to walk into that abortion clinic. But hear me, the moment they walk out, Satan's all over them. You're worthless. I can't believe you did this. This is shameful. You just took the life of a, of a child and the rest of their life, right? They're dealing with the shame and the guilt. This is how good Satan is. If Satan would just say, hey, you're murdering this child, most women wouldn't do that. But he is, he's, con, he's conniving and he is good at what he does. Satan seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. He's doing it over and over again in the hearts and lives of people we know. These people need to be rescued from sin, delivered from the grasp of Satan, set free from the condemnation of guilt and the wrath of God. You know what does all this? Jesus. See, Satan is good at what he does, but he's not all-powerful like my Jesus. He's good at what he does, but he's not all-knowing like my God. Right? He, he, he's good at what he does, but, man, my God can bring dead people back to life. Right? He transforms and saves so we've got to take the good news of the gospel to people. We have to love on them. We have to do a better job, church, of loving on people, of caring for people, and sharing the gospel with them. And that leads us to the third point. We must be a people who live missionally. Look what he says here in verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart, Jeremiah, before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations but God has set Jeremiah apart God has set me apart God has set you apart he has set you apart in Christ Jesus he has appointed you to live on mission you are to go so church let's just be real let's just be real I've already made one change of the service so why not just run the risk of upsetting everybody else today right let's just be real church we failed in a lot of ways when it comes to this stuff so here's what I'm going to challenge you to do this morning. I'm going to challenge you to repent. I'm going to challenge you, if you have become indifferent to the issue of the sanctity of life, or you become indifferent to the gospel, or you become indifferent to the people who need Jesus and are going to hell, if you become indifferent to injustice that is taking place all around us, if you have become indifferent to those things, I want you to repent of that. If you have been scared to speak up, I want you to repent of that. If you have been afraid to insert your voice into a conversation because it's not going to be popular, I want you to repent of that. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Martin Luther King Jr. sat in the prison cell in Birmingham, Alabama, and he began to write letters. I've read those letters. You know, Martin Luther King Jr., one of his biggest frustrations as he wrote that letter was with white pastors white churches who knew what was happening to his african-american brothers was wrong but said and did nothing because they were too afraid of what it might cost them and he was right he was right and there have been moments in our life i read an article yesterday that christians were too late to get into the the pro-life anti-abortion movement because catholics started that initiative and christians were afraid to join the catholics so we were even late to that at times We've been late to show up and say, look, this is what the Word of God says. Whether it's popular or not, we're going to stand upon the Word of God because this is what we believe. And if you become indifferent to that, if you become indifferent to any type of injustices going on around the world, and there are many, and it's overwhelming, I'm just going to ask you to repent. I'm also going to ask you to repent if you have been disobedient. Maybe you've been disobedient because you bought into a lie and you're believing something that is not biblical. And you become disobedient in that. I'm going to ask you to repent of that. I'm going to ask you to repent because maybe you become disobedient and that you're not telling anybody about Jesus. When you leave here and nobody knows in your circle that you're a believer in Christ, nobody's hearing the gospel through you as you live your life. If that's you, I'm going to, I'm going to call you to repent of that. I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to seek God's forgiveness in just a moment, and I'm going to ask you to cry out to the Lord to change your heart. And then, church, I'm going to ask you to pray, to pray 
for strength and boldness. To pray for strength and boldness. Yes, it is risky to live for Jesus. Yes. And it is risky to open your mouth and to talk about these things when almost everyone around you doesn't believe what you believe anymore. Yes, I know that's risky. But I'm going to ask you to pray for strength and boldness. And I'm going to ask you to pray for me. Because look, I'm honest with you. It's easy for me at times to get behind this pulpit, man, and to preach like a lion. Like just to come out roaring. Because you know, you, I identify, we're believers in Christ, right? I don't have to be afraid to, but it's a whole different story, right? Sometimes even for me, when I'm in a setting where, like, I'm the only one that believes in Jesus, like, why am I not roaring like a lion then? Why am I not being, hey, this is Jesus, this is what I believe. Do you believe that? So it might be easy for you to come in here to worship Jesus when you're gathered with believers, but do we live like that outside these doors? So repent of your indifference, repent of your disobedience, pray for strength and boldness, and then church, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to them and tell the world where they can find hope. So we need to think biblically. Do you love what God loves? Let us love unconditionally. Do you love how God loves? Do you love those whom God loves? And then let us live missionally. Do you love Jesus enough and trust Jesus enough to risk everything to live for the cause of Christ and for our purposes this morning to be somebody who will stand up for the sanctity of life? There's a song called The Cause of Christ. The Cause of Christ. And the lyrics say this, The only thing I want in life is to be known for loving Christ, to build his church, to love his bride, and make his name known far and wide. It is not fame that I desire, nor stature in my brother's eye. I pray it's said about my life that I live more to build your name than mine. May that be our prayer, church. That we live to build the name of God up, to build up his kingdom and not our own, even, even if it costs us our life, if it costs us our jobs, if it costs us our friends, maybe even our family. Will we say, this is who Jesus is, and this is what I believe, and I will stake my life upon it, for only he can save me. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Look, when we, when we deal with things like this, I know that there are so many different needs and so many different feelings and, and ways that we can express this, and so we're going to sing a, a, an invitation song in just a moment. It's going to be a time for you to respond. The altar's open. You can come and kneel and pray. If you need to confess sin, repent of sin, if you want to come and just pray for boldness and strength, maybe there's somebody you know in your life who's thinking about having an abortion or, or, or is wrestling with these decisions. You just want to come and, and plead on their behalf this morning. This is just an opportunity for us just to have a few minutes to, to, to let God speak to us and to respond based upon what he has said to us. But listen, I also want you to know this is an opportunity for you to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you have never trusted in Jesus, never experienced his forgiveness, never experienced his grace, this is that moment for you. This is your opportunity. I'll be here at the front. Just come and give your life to Christ. Father God, speak to us. Maybe you're going to speak to each heart differently. Or maybe, maybe someone needs to repent of indifference. Maybe we need to pray for more strength. Maybe we need to pray for more boldness. Maybe we need to pray, God, because we've been disobedient. Maybe there's somebody specifically we need to pray for by name. But God, you are the giver of life. So may we, as your people, made in your image, may we represent you in being a people who also stand and speak up for the sanctity of life. God, speak to our hearts. May we respond appropriately this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing. The altar is open. I'll be here at the front if you need prayer. in the blood of the Lamb. Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you walking daily by the Savior's <coughs> blood 
Jesus Christ, there is hope for you. You can be washed in the blood. So before you leave, just come see me, see Pastor BJ, grab anybody and just say, hey, I want to know how to follow Jesus. Will you help me do that? BJ's going to come. He's got a quick announcement he's going to make, uh, and then Paul's going to come and dismiss us uh, in a word of prayer. system or we don't have it and so if you'd like to receive those emails contact Kim this week or contact me and we can get those to you but there's a meeting immediately following this for anyone that's interested in going to bridging the gap sanctity of life we care about people outside of the womb too and so this is a way we can love our, on our community uh, if you're interested in going with us this coming Saturday and I realize Upward is going on but I promise you not everybody in this room is going to be out there at Upward Evaluations I've seen plenty of evaluations before, and I just know that's the case. So we have enough people to do more than one thing. Um, if you're interested in that, please see me. I've got a kind of a sign-up list for food and can go over some logistics, and I'll be meeting in the fellowship hall just as soon as we dismiss here. Okay? Thank you.